Welcome to Casa de Cambio. Hello, it's a solo episode. It's been so long uh, since I've done one of these because I did take a pretty big break in between uh, season five and season six of the podcast. So hello, welcome back me. Um, hello to all of you. Um, wow, this year uh, has been flying by. Uh, I started the year by getting COVID on New Year's Day and I was down for the count on what was supposed to be my holiday. Um, and then I was very fatigued for a few weeks and, you know, because I didn't get a break and I was really busy with client work as well in January, February and March. Um, so yeah, I felt like I needed time out on 2022 and, you know, so I didn't bring back the podcast as quickly because, you know, there's only so much time in the day and when you're already struggling to get through your eight hours or, you know, just a regular day's work, then you've got to rest. Um, you've got to listen to your body. So that happened. Uh, and then I decided it was time for me to leave the country and go on a little holiday because I didn't think I was going to make it uh, to, you know, July or August so, yeah, I just got back from two weeks in the US. It was amazing. Um, I did do, of course, it's me. I did some networking and, you know, met up with a few people, but I mainly uh, kept the laptop closed. I went to Coachella for the first time ever, which was unreal. Um, and I just feel so re-energized and refreshed. Like it wasn't, you know, a relaxing holiday. It was a very active holiday. Uh, but mentally, I just feel, yeah, it was great. Being in another country was great. I mean, my my bank balance disagrees that it was great because um, it's pretty expensive. But, yeah, um, it was awesome. So I think if you are thinking about going on an overseas holiday, do it. Do it. Um, obviously, there are risks. But, yeah, if you can, just <laughs> get out of Australia. Um, so what I wanted to talk about today was something that is it's questions I'm getting asked a lot. Uh, a lot of people are hitting me up in the DMs. They're asking me, uh, you know, at, in my client work and just, you know, in change chats that I'm having with friends. And it's around what's actually being done in companies that have agile ways of working and what works in agile environments and what doesn't. Um, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about what I've noticed and what some of the trends are that I'm seeing. Before I get into that, what have I been reading, watching, and listening to? So I've got, for reading, I've got a book called Retail Innovation. It's How to Transform Operations and Achieve Purpose-Led Growth and Resilience, and it's by Andrew Smith and Gareth Jude. So far, I'm loving it. I used to work with Andrew at Telstra, um, and yeah, the book is really, really good. So highly recommend, especially if you work in retail. Um, listening to... I, Kendrick Lamar dropped a new album, so I'm listening to that. I went to see Client Liaison on Friday night, so I've been listening to them a lot nonstop. They are so fun. Uh, obviously, with Coachella, I've made my own Coachella playlist, but there is a Coachella playlist you can get to on Spotify. And in terms of podcasts, there's one called The Teacher's Trial, which is by Hedley Thomas. So I don't know if you all remember The Teacher's Pet. That was the first podcast I ever listened to, kind of you know, it was my gateway drug to the world of podcasting. Um, and it was all about Lynette Dawson and her mysterious disappearance. And the podcast, The Teacher's Pet, you can't listen to it because it had to be pulled because they unearthed all this new evidence about this woman's disappearance. And now her husband is on trial for her murder 40 years later. So 
the teacher's trial is like a weekly recap of everything that happens in the trial for people who are super interested in it because, you know, God, that podcast came out, it must have been four or five years ago. Um, but yeah, that it, it to this day is the best true crime podcast I've ever listened to. Um, and I am just so like, I've never listened to a true crime podcast where I'm so blown away <laughs> by the circumstances and what happens and, you know, how inept the police were and stuff like that. Um, and he, Hedley Thomas also has another one out called Shandy Story. So I've been listening to that. So there's another recce. TV-wise, I just started watching season two of Russian Doll. I loved season one. I love Natasha Lyonne. Uh, Winning Time, which is the story of the LA Lakers, is highly dramatised. Like, um, I'm not sure it went down exactly that way, but it's pretty good. It's like LA Lakers in the 70s and 80s and Pachinko on Apple TV. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that book when it came out a few years ago and the TV series is great. Like, it's, yeah, they've, they've done it really, really well, the way that they're actually moving in and out of the different timelines. Um, so I, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. So definitely give that one a go. Um, so yeah, what else has been going on? It's just been such a busy year, but I do feel like 2020 and 2021 were very challenging, um, in a lot of ways. And, and particularly, you know, as you all know, I live in Melbourne, (laughs) we had the worst lockdowns. Um, so there haven't been any lockdowns um this year and yeah like you know fingers crossed we don't have any more um but yeah it it, obviously starting the year with COVID I thought oh god it's going to be another terrible year you know um but things really did get better from there um and you know also before COVID like I had a holiday kind of cut short by COVID related circumstances which I was so upset by because that just keeps on happening um and so the fact that I actually got to take my little holiday and make it out of the country was just a miracle because I thought surely something's going to happen and it won't happen and it'll all be cancelled. Um, but it wasn't. So, yeah, that was exciting. Um, but, yeah, it does feel like this year is different to the last two years. We've got um, more freedom of movement. You know, we're not uh, – we're able to travel. We don't have all these, you know – yeah, we don't have all these strict rules around travelling interstate and borders closing at the drop of a hat. So I've been, you know, able to see my family and I've been able to, yeah, go to Sydney to see my brother and go to Adelaide to see my parents um, without worrying that the border's going to close when my plane's in the air because there's an outbreak. So it's very different. Um, I'm feeling very hopeful. We obviously still are in a pandemic and, and things are not back to the way they were. But we're getting there and it, and it's definitely been an improvement. So, yeah, um, get out, do all the things you haven't been able to do for the last couple of years. Um, I highly recommend it. All right. On to Agile Change things. So, yeah, like I said, I'm getting a lot of people asking me these questions and, you know, oh, actually, no, before I get into that, I've got a discount. So a little gift for you, podcast listeners only. I won't be posting this anywhere. So a recommendation of mine, Jen Fram and Lena Ross have launched their Agile Change Manager certification and they've given me a discount code to use for Casa Cumbia listeners. So you can use the code CDC15 and you can get a discount on that course. 
It is recommended for not for people who are brand new to the industry. So they say at least three years of experience as a change manager. If you are brand new and you want to do one of their courses, uh, do Change Essentials, or you can do my course, Intro to Change. Um, all my courses are now available on demand via my website, www.casadecomio.com.au. And I've even bundled them up so you can buy all of them. And that bundle is currently on sale. So yeah, I'm going to promote Jen and Lena's stuff. Probably should promote my own stuff too. Um, but yeah, that's a really handy little discount code. So if you've been thinking about doing that course, uh, now you have the last little push that you need to sign up. Um, I personally haven't done the Agile Change Manager course because I did their Agile Change Leader Certificate a couple of years ago. And I also recently finished uh, Daryl Connor's uh, Advanced Preparation for Trusted Advisors, which was amazing. So I'm not sure I need to do the Agile Change Manager because um, I've got quite a good toolkit already. So, but I might do it um, if I feel like I've got some spare time. But yeah, um, if you haven't done Agile Change Leader, I would recommend Agile Change Manager. So yeah, get amongst that. Okay, now we can get into the content. Um, so, as I said, getting a lot of DMs about this stuff, lots of people wanting to know, you know, who's truly using agile methodologies and principles. Obviously, I can't name names, guys. Like, I want to stay employed. Um, so don't ask me for, <laughs> don't DM me and ask for, you know, can I have a list of companies? You're not going to get that. Um, but, yes, I do get a lot of tea because of the podcast and people do tell me things. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I'll revert back to the little quest that I went on in 2018. I was working at Australia Post and I wanted to know who's doing Agile Change well or Lean Change. So I started talking to everyone I knew. You know, I reached out to a lot of um, change practitioners and a lot of um, Agilists, Agile coaches and people in my network and got in introduced to a whole bunch of people um, and yeah, ask them, who is doing this well? The short answer back then was not really anybody. There were pockets of people um, utilizing agile and lean change methods. But as far as I knew back then, no large company had implemented a methodology or, you know, a standard ways of working that was based on 100% lean and agile methods. There are a lot of companies using a waterfall or prosci based methodology and kind of just make trying to make that work with agile ways of working. Um, and from what I'm told that there was, yeah, that was causing some friction and leading to a bit of rub and, and there was, you know, it wasn't working that well. Now in 2022, there are companies who have taken the time to develop their own agile change methodologies. I have developed some of them for them. Um, they have been clients of mine. So that's awesome. And I think a lot of the companies that are doing that, they're companies that didn't already have existing uh, methods and methodologies. So they didn't, you know, they're companies that were born agile. So a scaling startup, for example, uh, in the financial services industry, um, who then went, okay, well, we're now scaling. We've got all these big transformation and, and, and large scale projects we need a head of change, we need a change practice. So they brought on a head of change and the head of change brought me on to create an agile methodology. Um, so yeah, I am starting to see examples of that happening. 
I am not yet aware of a company who is a really, really large company who's, you know, gone undergone an agile transformation and they haven't yet changed their methodology to something different. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. But there are that, I mean, maybe they're having those conversations. I know there's some who have recently set up centres of excellence who are thinking about, okay, what's our methodology going to be? Um, we've got to come up with something interesting. But, yeah, it is starting to happen, which is good. I think it's, you know, could be happening faster and more and it's probably a little bit behind the eight ball, but it's happening. So if you are someone who is working in an environment where it's agile ways of working, uh, maybe it's not a change mature organisation or it's not organised into a change practice or centre of excellence or squad um, and you want to know what works and what doesn't work, all right, I've got a little list here. So the first thing we need to throw in the bin is the change plan and probably the change strategy too. So I have noticed, uh, and I, I'm very lucky, like I'm all of the clients I've been working with lately have been quite agile in nature. Um, and, and a lot of them are scaling startups, as I mentioned. So they don't have anything to already reference. So I found, because sometimes when you come in, people do ask you to do a change plan. And I go, yeah, sure, I'll do that. But it doesn't work. Well, you've got iterative, iterative development uh, and things are changing regularly. There's no way you can actually know everything and, and plan everything out, you know, three, six months before your change is going live or starting to be introduced. Um, so the strategic change canvas is working really well there. And the other thing I say in my um, delivering change in agile environments course is under Agile, you will do all the same things that you do in Waterfall. You just do them in a different way and in a different order. So, um, yeah, I find the strategic change canvas, and I've talked about this change canvas so many times already, but it works really, really well. And it, ha it has been particularly successful in environments that haven't had previous exposure to change. So people don't have preconceived ideas that they need to let go of, like the change plan. So, uh, yeah, when you've got incremental change or you've got releases coming in every, you know, every three weeks or every month, you can sit down and go, okay, what's in this release and put that in your change canvas. And, you know, it doesn't like I, you can change your change canvas and you can customize and modify it to your needs. So the ones that are on, you know, leanchange.org or the ones that I give out as part of my workshop, I change them up to, you know, all the time, depending on, you know, what, what we need to talk about in those workshops. Uh, but yeah, a client that I was very recently working with, we started, they were doing monthly releases. We started doing the change canvas every month. And each month the workshop was smoother. The, the quality of the canvas was better. And people were, you know, it became part of the way we do things here. People were like, okay, so we need to do our change canvas workshop. You know, Katash, can you set that up? Yes, of course. Um, yeah, so change canvas and yeah, one, some of the things I put on there is, oh, what are we still working out? Because sometimes you have to have that workshop. If it's every three weeks or every month, you kind of got to have that at the start of the development cycle. So there's going to be stuff that people still need answers on or they're not quite sure on or something's being built and you can just add this on it. Another one is, you know, add that, um, I guess, box to it. And another one is what could go wrong? Instead of saying, what are the risks and issues? Just say, what could go wrong here? What do we need to think about? The next one, stakeholder matrix. I think, I think they're done. I think we don't have to do them anymore. Um, we don't have to spend hours and hours filling out these humongous spreadsheets. 
that just sit on a SharePoint that nobody looks at that really don't add any value. Um, and again, a lot of these things are just being asked for because it's what I think people think they have to ask for or what, you know, program managers or project managers are used to asking for. Um, so I do say, okay, well, what value do you think that's going to provide? Um, so instead of the big matrix, do a blast radius or a stakeholder scan. Um, it will take you a lot less time. <laughs> I've spent so, many, so much time working on those spreadsheets in past projects. Yeah, you can knock it out in an hour, half an hour, uh, and then you can move on to the next thing. So, yeah, I haven't, I haven't done one of those stakeholder matrix style things for a long time. And, like, even when I was in projects when I used to do them, they just become out of date straight away. Um, yeah. And so you spend all this time listing out who are our stakeholders and, you know, what's their likely response to the change and who owns the relationship and when did we last meet with them and who met with them? What was the... And, yeah, like you get busy, you stop updating it and then it becomes meaningless. So, yeah, I think that one can go. Um, I think another one is the very detailed impact assessment spreadsheet that can be replaced by a one-pager impact assessment slide. Um, you don't need all that detail, especially, and again, if you're working in an agile way, you won't have the detail. So, yeah, just do a slide and, you know, just keep updating it if you need to. Or, you know, it, it could be replaced by the change canvas, depending. I don't think impact assessments are out completely. I, still, I think they're still, they're still kicking. They're still relevant, but not in the way they used to be. So, again... Keep it, don't have it as detailed. I was about to say keep it high level. Don't keep it high level. You do need to properly understand the impacts of the change that you're introducing in detail. You don't have to create this humongous spreadsheet. And again, no one looks at it. Everybody just wants to see the summary. Um, and, you know, if you're working on a big waterfall project or something like an ERP, the spreadsheet could be right. I'm just talking about agile environments here. But if you are in a waterfall environment, you can give this stuff a go because it will reduce the amount of workload on you and your team because, as we know, change teams are getting smaller and smaller. Like nobody has big teams of analysts running around to do all this stuff for them. You've often got to do so much, you've got to do it all on your own. So get rid of your impact assessment spreadsheets. Um, and then... The last one that I've just written, and this is not an exhausting, exhaustive list. There's a lot. This is just what is on my mind today. Um, I can't remember the proper name of this. I remember these were kicking around a few years ago. I think it might have been a change needs assessment. It's some spreadsheet with a few little pieces of you know, macros and stuff in it, and you just pop in some details about the change, and it tells you, you know, this is – it assesses the – you know, one to five rating scale impact of the change and tells you whether you need a change person. And it's kind of complicated, but it also doesn't ask the right questions about the change. Um, I think it's called a change needs assessment. So get rid of those. Start using a change T-shirt size in Canvas. Um, if you want a copy of mine, send me a DM. I'll happily share it. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a different thing. You're actually looking at, okay, is this change impacting business critical processes what do people need to do something differently it asks it in a much more uh human and and layman's terms way and not in change centric language 
And again, you can walk through that canvas if somebody's not sure in your organisation if they need to bring on change. Um, just have the conversation with them and use the canvas as a guide. Um, and then another one, you know, some one of the, I guess, more older style artefacts that I think is still has a purpose and has a life is the, uh, as much as I've been hating on spreadsheets as change artefacts, um, the comm spreadsheet, I think there's still value in it. I think it's always good to have a written record of what you've actually communicated and to which audiences and when because I know sometimes I forget I'm like oh which meeting did we say the thing about that and you know I could be leading comms but then what if I am away or I'm sick and somebody's trying to take over you know so but mainly it's these days it's about me not remembering and going oh I'm not sure so I think they still have a purpose um and yeah, they don't take too much time to update. They're also good if you're working on a large program and you've got multiple change managers um, and it can help, you know, them have a point of reference to check that they're not overlapping or they're not going to the same group or, you know, they're not, you're not all hitting up the same group twice because that's something you've got to be really mindful of when you've got a big program with that has multiple projects that's, that all have their own change people on those projects and then you've got a program change lead and, yeah, so that can always be good to have someone to refer to so you don't have to rely on just pinging each other on teams all day. Um, so this is a, you know, a quick game but a good game. That's all I have to say about that. But I hope that's given you a little bit of advice about what are some of the tools I suggest you use and what are some of the tools that, you know, just aren't working or, or, or aren't right for that. I mean, the change plan. Yeah, I was asked to do one by a client and I was signing this down, a statement of work, I should say. I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then I got in and it, they still didn't know so much about what, they were, what was actually changing and what was actually going to be implemented and what was going to be in each release. So I produced something that was very high level because I had to because it was in my statement of work. And then it was very, it was criticised. Um, and, you know, rightly so by stakeholders saying, well, we need to see the detail behind this. And, we, you know, this doesn't tell us X, Y, Z. I'm like, yeah, we don't know that yet. Um, I was asked to produce this. So, it, you know, it was a little bit awkward, to be honest. Um, and if I have, I, I have had my time again because I've worked working with a different client and I've put some caveats around their request for a change plan <laughs> and said it's going to be high level um, and, you know, under Agile X, X Y, Z on and this is possible. So you can do that too, because I know it's hard if a client or a stakeholder says to you, I want a change plan, and you just go, no, as if, like, this, uh, haven't you heard, change plans, so 2015, uh, yeah, you don't want to come off like you're lazy or pushing back or trying not to work, but you can just say, I can do a change plan, but just so you know, it's not going to have the same level of detail in it as, if, as though this was a waterfall project. Uh, and this is some of the detail that we'll be missing. And we can just, you know, as we learn these things, we can make updates. But it's it's not going to be like a traditional waterfall um, scenario where you write the change plan and, you know, you have to do all this socialising and get it signed off. And no, no. All right. Um, also with the podcast, uh, if there is a question that you have or a topic you'd like to hear from, um, please let me know. I'm very open to suggestions. I do have an ideas board uh, in my office here, but 
you know, there's only so, <laughs> so much I'm exposed to. So if there's something you're struggling with, or, you know, I could find who's best place to answer that question or who's the expert in that topic, I can get them on. But otherwise, I hope all of your uh, 2022 is going really well. I hope you, you like me, are having a better year than the last couple of years. I hope you're getting out and about. I hope you're enjoying uh, your freedoms and, you know, ability to travel and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I hope all of your work and all of your changes and your projects are going well. And I'll be back probably next week with another episode. And if you like the podcast, feel free to give it a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, see you soon. Bye.